Hey, y'all. I'm Casey Bell of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Thomas, who's actually the world champion drone pilot, he's like a rock star. And when we were talking to his father who was there with him, he was sort of saying, you know, Thomas was was going down this particular path and going to go to uni and and, in engineering and so forth. But he's doing so well in his career that that university path may not actually be where he needs to go. In this series, I'm talking to people who are leading, thinking and writing about the future of education. And today's guest is helping lead a state-funded experiment. Skyly Massingham is the director of the Banyul Nilambik Tech School in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne, Australia. It's one of 10 similar schools in the state, each having its own local flavour depending on the region. And I chose Skyly's school because the area, Greensboro and Eltham, has a particularly artsy reputation. It's interesting. All these tech schools are different to regular schools because they have no students. Instead, they bring in young people from surrounding schools and connect them with mentors from local industries. I really didn't want this episode to be purely promotional, but there's lots this new government initiative is doing, which I really think is a great idea. And besides, Banyul Nilambik hasn't even officially opened yet, or it wasn't opened when we recorded in May 2018. I want this experiment to work and be one of those places that models a new way we can prepare the next generation for life in the 21st century. The best short films for lifelong learning recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love with your host, Richard Lee. Tell me a little bit about your own background. I think I saw you've you've done community development, you've been in social change and then schools and and school strategy development. Tell me a little bit about your lead into your current role. Yeah, I guess I'm probably a little bit in a way like a lot lot of the young people that are going to experience many careers in their lifetime. I've worked in corporate and hospitality in my younger days and um, in small business and government and education, as you say. So quite a mix um, of areas. In not-for-profit, I worked for quite some time in a, in a few not-for-profit um, organisations and I guess that really, I guess, sparked my real interest for and passion for community and community development, which I, which I then went on to study. Um, so I, I think it's probably set me up really well for this particular role, having a varied background and, um, you know, working in the tech school, we know we've got really great teachers already out in our partner schools. So what we're doing is recruiting people that have a range of skills that can then support our young people and um, bringing in, you know, that industry relevance or really acting as mentors to help and to help teachers think a little bit differently as well. So I'm curious, and, and this leads me sort of fairly early on into this uh, this film called Most Likely to Succeed. So I'm curious about where on your journey you saw that, that film, because that's a pretty major, major film. Yeah, I spent quite a while working at the Department of Education in both um, the central and regional offices. And when we started talking about the concept of the tech schools and what that meant, 
um, we we referred to this most likely to succeed film. Tell me a little bit about and and particularly because I haven't seen it. It seems that there's no way to see it online unless you're you know seeing it as part of a school or a district. Um, but you know, plenty of other people have recommended it, and I've and I've found a, a link to. Uh, the producer's own reflections on the big ideas in it. So perhaps if you do to start off by explaining briefly what it's about. Yeah, well, we you're right. It is um, it's hard to access, and usually you have to go to a screening. So when I was with the Department of Education, we um, showed it, and they showed it several times in regions, and a lot of schools have um, subsequently showed it themselves um, for community. So it's based over in the US, and what it really is about is encouraging. Um, schools to innovate and make a change and supporting young people with project-based learning and essentially helping them with those transferable skills that we hear about all the time. We divide the day up uh, in high schools into bits of time, you know, into 40 or 50 minute blocks typically, and then we ring bells and people start to shuffle around the building and do something else. That's an organisational device, it's not an educational principle. That's Sir Ken Robinson, now Salman Khan, founder of the Khan Academy and others. Ten university heads in 1890 said in 11th grade everyone should learn chemistry and senior year everyone should learn physics. A lot of these subjects are great but these priorities were, were dictated 124 years ago. The old blue-collar industrial model of education is already gone. We're already living in its wake. What happens to society when hundreds of millions of people have that aimless rudderless feeling of I've been replaced by a very small box? I don't know if there's a solution. Quote on screen. A smart and engaging look at education in the 21st century America. Hollywood reporter. From what I can gather, there's several parts to it. It starts with the, you know, the deep blue chess champion computer and then moves on to Watson that beat the guy in Jeopardy. And, you know, and it's, it's that right. whole sort of history of the, you know, factory model of learning and, and the shift that we need to make to hands-on learning and making stuff, shifting from passing a test to engaging. And, and as you say, that big idea of um, not being afraid to fail, which is so important. Mm. Um, and, and then the rest of it is this example, as you say, of the, the two students, which is really which brings it to life. So did that inspire you to move in the direction you are with the tech school? So, so tell me about that connection then with you and where you went with your career. I guess you were already in, in the school the system, weren't you, with uh, working well, for the Well, in, um, in the central office, so really in that project-based, that community-based role supporting schools from, from that, that internal system, I guess, out rather than um, inside the school. Um, so I, just ha I, I guess I had the opportunity then to start working on the, the initial scope of what, what is a tech school, um, which was a bit controversial and confusing and a lot of people were reflecting on the old tech schools of the past. And um, I guess what we did where we were working on the tech schools is really embraced what the tech schools means. Um, and and we looked at things like uh, libraries and museums and, you know, the library name remains as it is and so does a museum and what were the things that keep it current and keep people coming back. So we reflected on the name of the past, the old tech schools that, supported students with the skills that they needed back then, those, um, you know, trades-based focus skills. And, and the tech schools of today really are looking at similarly providing skills to students um, that they'll need, but it's those future skills, um, 
you know, around big data and high tech and that critical and creative thinking. Mm-hmm. That's um, back in the 1980s. You know, I went to the local tech school and it was a technical yeah. a technical school rather than technology. And, and as you say, it was very trade focused. And then after that, I went to a high school and then ultimately yep. went to a uni. But, you know, this this new tech school is, is a really different idea and, and you've already suggested you know some of the things it's the big data and all the rest but tell me tell me how how it works because it's actually not even a school in the sense that you have students is it it's quite different it's quite a departure from even thinking about a high versus a tech it is and um you're right we we work with partner schools so here at the Banyol Nolimbic Tech School we have 19 partner schools so school so students remain um enrolled in their own high school um, and we work with the local high schools in this area that have signed up to be part of the program, if you like. So there's that includes independent Catholic and government schools and, and also um, special schools as, as part of that as well. So how it works is it's, it's very different for each area. So there's 10 tech schools across the state and they're all based on uh, community needs. So they're driven by a committee which consists of industry, community, education um, and they've, they've developed not only the design of the establishment but the learning program to be based on um, what's fit for their community. So our um, particular program and design is, is quite different to, to some of the others. Um, the way our programs work is it's programs designed for year sevens right through to year twelves. Um, and they all they're all in together. So it's not a step through program where you might have a year seven program come back and do something different for year eight and so forth. Um, they're all in the same space at the same time. And and last year we ran, for example, at the end of last year, an artificial intelligence workshop where young people came in. Uh, they worked with mentors from Microsoft um, who supported them. And we had special needs students in there, year sevens right through to year elevens. So I guess for us, it's really about providing kids with the opportunity to solve real-world problems and bringing in those mentors to support them along the way. When you give your kids choice and you let them be responsible for their learning, test scores go up, engagement goes up, motivation goes up. So putting them in real-world situations where they're going to fail, and and that's okay. That's actually a good thing that we embrace, and, and we talk about that, and it's a different mindset, but really important for these kids that when they leave. Our students don't sit down at their future jobs and do 50 minutes of writing, 50 minutes of math, 50 minutes of English. They incorporate all of those skills and all of those knowledge sets into one project. That's what we're doing in education right now, and that's what we need to do more of. That was an extract from teachers in schools in the North Dakota region who've also watched the film Most Likely to Succeed and are testing new ideas of their own. I'll include the link to this in the notes. The next two shorts Skyly recommended are soft promotional videos about what Banyul Nillenbig Tech School has been doing in their local area in Melbourne, Australia in recent months. The first is called The Chatbotathon. The Chatbotathon is this great event where it brings people from all different schools together and even industry experts so that they can really learn about a really exciting field and part of technology that's obviously going to be a part of the future. I can just see this becoming our future so I'm interested in like learning about it and being able to apply it. 
means that the people who will really be leading the future, the kids who are in the classroom today, will be able to take the experiences that we've got and the knowledge that Microsoft representatives have taught us into any jobs that we might have in the future. What was fantastic was that we had um, a range of students from different schools. Um, some of our students from, from Concord said it was two of the best days that they've ever had. They had such a great time um, and Concord's one of our special schools. So um, what, what was great was every student, um, they worked in pairs, developed an artificial chatbot, um, which will now sit on our website. And for, for the students, what it meant was that they got exposure to working in the way that industry does. One of our young people actually who was in that program, he actually, we realised, had been developing chatbots before he came along. But he'd been doing it the hard way and he'd been doing, you know, coding from scratch. So he actually sat down with Beck from Microsoft and who sort of blew her mind at what level he was at, this young 14-year-old boy. And what he did um, from those conversations was able to go home and he added the addition of language into um, his chatbot and now he's a, he's got a chatbot that he can actually ask, um, you know, what question uh, what questions was I given in maths in period three last week and it actually generates response. So I wow. guess what it shows is that when you give young people the opportunity to be supported with the right mentors, um, they can actually excel in areas that they might not have had the opportunity to do at school and really that's what the tech school is about. It's a, a convener, like a, a hub that provides kids with that opportunity to, to work on those real problems, bring in mentors from industry to support them. Um, it was a great program. It, uh, it's fantastic. And you highlight sort of two things for me. One is the, um, as you say, the mixing of students from uh, not just, you know, Catholic, private and, and public, but but the special schools as well. And, and across the mm. ages, you know, from year seven to 12, that's fantastic mm. when they're, they're going in. And um, But the second thing was the connection to industry. And I think one of the students mm. themselves said, you know, as a beginner, it's great to meet people who are experts. And then the experts saying, these kids are really amazing, like you say, you know, this know. kid's already done his own chatbot at home. I mean, these are, yeah. you know, that's great. it works both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's Daniel's in the opening of that film. That's him um, in the story that I was referring to, um, which is quite amazing. And I think as well as having that, you know, that support from industry, working in this way for kids is really like we work in in our jobs, you know, in industry, that we have people that come together in small teams to work on real problems. So it's a really um, practical way um, to learn as a young person to prepare you for when you move off into the world of work. The Mini Maker Fair is an event to promote the tech school and our involvement is to help the Mini Maker Fair work as smoothly as possible. We got various primary schools to come and kind of just enjoy themselves, like learn a bit about different tech things at high schools, see what's on offer and just get involved really. I like that you are free to just go around everywhere. The experience was really great. I enjoyed the robots and the presentation at the start. I really like the cement and the um, t-shirts and also the robots upstairs. So this is a video about the Maker Fair. When I saw this, it reminded me of one of the big ideas in the Most Likely to Succeed film, um, and that that learning is best 
focused when there's a need to showcase or explain to others what you know? Is that the sort of thinking behind the Maker Fair? Yeah, it is. It's it's really it's designed, you know, in our case and in most Maker Fairs around the world, it's designed by young people for young people. So it's really inspiring them um, as younger people looking up to their these older mentors to see what is possible. Um, and it's really empowering our young people to have a go and develop new skills and 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 see what's what's out there. And for us, it was also an opportunity to showcase that schools are really doing great things um, and exposing that to young people. And then it, it really gives us an opportunity as well in the tech school to think, um, how can we build upon what schools are already doing and what are the resources or the gaps that's, that schools might have that we can provide as a tech school um, to support them grow even further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the drone racing. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he was already like Australia champion or something, you know, so he's he's someone who's passionate about that, showing off how tech is, you know, already getting him excited and that's that's so infectious, you know. But then the uh, virtual sandbox as well, you know, that was yeah. great, you know, just seeing yeah. and, and seeing the range of things. I think it's really exciting. Yeah. It's such a diverse um, range of things that we showcase and I think that's important for young people to see that it could be simple circuitry um, activity. Um, we had we had people doing cementing there, and as you say, right through to Thomas, um, who's who's actually the world champion drone pilot um, flyer. Which, when the school discovered that, thought, "Oh my gosh!" You know, and he he's like a rock star in in where he's from. And and um, when we were talking to his his father, who was there with him, he was sort of saying, "You know, Thomas was." Was going down this particular path and going to go to uni and and in engineering and so forth, but um, he's doing so well in his career um, and he flies around the world giving advice as a 17 or 18 year old on how to make drones. That um, that university um, path may not actually be where he needs to go, which I think is um, something that will more readily happen for our young people as they become entrepreneurs and and as they discover things that actually. This other path that was the standard way of going is um, not necessarily beneficial for them, and um, might be a road bump that might slow yeah. him down. <laughs> well, in actual fact, the skills that he already had is, is often sometimes um, better than what he might have had when he came out, out of a three-year degree. So. Um, they're doing great things, some of our young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the other lovely things too was the was hearing some students talk about um, some of the sort of softer skills, if you like, like, you know, running an event and getting the local primary schools involved and even helping them there on the day enjoy the whole experience. To me, that was really, that was a great outcome that, that you don't sort of associate, you know, a tech school about technology as, as promoting that, but clearly it is. A lot of our um, emphasis goes on supporting skills with the uh, supporting students with the leadership skills and um, those soft skills that you mentioned that they need. So at the Maker Fair on the day, we had our tech school ambassadors welcoming primary schools as they arrived, presenting and introducing guest speakers, um, giving tours to our teachers and, and young people, making sure that they were able to get, you know, navigate their way through um, each activity. We had um, a huge turnout. We had 430 primary school kids come along and about 80 high school kids running activities and um, enacting in those leadership roles. So it was very busy and um, full of activity. It was just great to see such a 
hive of um, activity happening in one spot. Mm-hmm. I read too that you've done some things with ACME. ACME is the Australian Centre for the Moving Image and, and there's something called MESS. So I'm trying to work out, can you explain explain some of the other ideas in the pipeline and you know what, what else there is, in the, particularly in that sort of art, creative kind of space? Yes. Um, we recently ran um, a range of activities through the department's Tech Fest, which was um, an opportunity to host a range of events basically at the same time across all tech schools. Um, one of a couple of our exciting programs were working with ACME where we worked with um, ACME as mentors for young people and they developed projection art. So at the Banyol Nilambic Tech School, there's a particular um, interest on the A in STEAM, which is quite controversial and funnily enough, talking to the lead scientist yesterday, there was a big debate on whether the A should be in or out and some <laughs> industry was saying it's very confusing having the A in, yeah. just leave it out. But yeah. um, um, our community particular, particularly wants to highlight that the importance of the arts and humanities essentially that run through our um, STEM subjects. So working with ACME provided an opportunity for the kids to bring in those science tech, you know, and technical skills while doing something creative, which was creating projection art, which when we open our tech school um, this year will be on display um, for for all to see, which will be pretty cool. So we've we've um, designed a lot of our building around the art space with um, projection to be included, and so we're hoping to have a lot of night events and have a lot of fun. We also worked with Mess, as you say. <laughs> So that's the pitch control there. Yeah, MESS stands for the Melbourne Electronic Sound Studio, which is based in North Melbourne. And what they do is provide, um, they're they're actually a not-for-profit and um, they have a range of really cool musical and sound machines. So what we did is we sent a group of our young people there to create um, soundbite music, basically, and using sound waves to create something really cool that sounds a bit like... um, very eerie whale music. So when we open, um, we'll have our students playing live um, eerie music um, alongside with the projection art. And what we're looking at doing is having um, some timed um, fire demonstrations that you can that we'll have some young people build um, so that the music and the and the visual art represented um, together in into beats, which will be pretty exciting. Fantastic. You mentioned the the controversy about uh, steam. The controversy is probably as much around whether the A belongs in there or not, but but a a couple of things that spring to mind from my point of view. One of them is it feels almost like the A, like STEM or STEAM is is kind of trying to take over the entire curriculum. The humanities is one thing, but what about, you know, things like sport and history? You know, they're two obvious things that miss out if we start focusing everything around the idea of STEM, of, of technology and maths, etc. Yeah, that's that's true, and I guess that was the conversation we've been having. It, it does appear, or it could appear, that um, that other subjects get left out. But um, I guess these are particularly sub particular subjects that maybe don't interest, or typically haven't interest girls in the past. So um, we're doing a lot of work to to make the STEM, I guess, cool and inspire young girls to, to get into those particular jobs and those particular subjects. And by creating programs that are interdisciplinary, I don't really think that the STEM 
in itself matters so much and it's really the underlying um, skills that young people develop through those critical um, capabilities um, that's more important than whether whether the A is in or it's I've heard streamer I've heard um, all kinds of acronyms um, STEM bus so um, I guess yeah yeah I guess STEM sort of the buzzword at the moment and and what's what's out there um, but it's it's the that underlying capabilities I think that's really important to be delivering in no matter what what you're doing in the curriculum sure and uh, yeah I think that's that's how I see it too my other the other thought I had when thinking about this word steam really comes from I guess something I've been grappling with my whole life because I've both got a science degree and went to an art university you know to study filmmaking and it's that connection between art and science and technology and engineering and maths in trying to connect art with science I think there's the thing that I struggle with is that art is really messy and I was thinking what what is it about because you know I've been in entrepreneurial startups as well and and, you know art on the one hand is one-off it's non-scalable it's very human it's very self-expressive rather than you know being others focused like marketing is about you know worrying about what the other person wants rather than what you're trying to express and it's so that even those four is is everything that business and science and marketing are not you know so there's a real and as I say this is a big question for me because it's something I've thought about throughout my life um how do how can we reconcile these two things I don't know if you've given any thought to that I guess for me, I think art sits behind everything we do, whether it is marketing, as you say, you have to have that artistic ability or whether it's in um, the science fields to be able to think creatively. I think um, art sits behind everything we do. And if you think about um, any of of the top, you know, scientists or inventors or entrepreneurs, um, art really, science really comes into all of the, the inventions as well as that artistic flavour. Well, and, and Einstein was a great, you know, I think he was a musician. Anyway, some of the great thinkers have been, you know, good artists as well and, you know, Da Vinci and all the rest of them. So I, I guess I see it intellectually, but I still can't work out, you know, there's so many mismatches for me between being creative and sort of a, a touch of flair with a design is one thing. You see that in, you know, Apple Mac and all that sort of stuff. But you know, the actual core of what art is to me just seems on so many levels at odds with what, you know, a reductionist scientific view of the world is it does to things. So that that's more my struggle. I don't know whether we can answer that now, but yeah, if we have any no. other thoughts on it. And it's yeah. been a constant debate out here and in Eltham, which is uh, one of the local areas where we are based in Greensboro and Melbourne, um, is very artistic. And I, and I think um, that's particularly why this community wanted to have, see the A in STEAM. Um, rather than outside it. But there's equally the argument that, as you say, that the artistic form really does run across all of those areas in industry. And, yeah, it's a constant debate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, speaking of the area, you know, with a name like Banyul, Nilambic, you know, the Indigenous, the Aboriginal words from that local area, um, I think you were also doing something that um, picks up on these themes and connects with the with the local history of the area. Is that fair to say or is that still something in development? Yeah, well, it is in development, but, yes, we are doing that. So Banyol Nilambic um, comes from the local government areas which our tech school resides within. Um, so that's where the name came from, the Banyol Nilambic Tech School. 
um, a local community name, really. And we've been working with our local Indigenous um, elders and, and some of our local young people as well to design um, or really essentially bring technology, the old technology of the past, um, into technology of today. So what they've been designing is um, a coolamon and a message stick, a message stick that, you know, people used to pass um, from place to pay, place and incorporating um, new technology into the design. So we've had, um, we've had them carved out of wood and now what we're doing is putting um, items of personal significance into um, the pieces of wood and they'll be cast in um, resin which is pretty exciting. So it's it's really um, a great way of showcasing, you know, that a lot of what we know and what we think we're discovering today has been known for, you know, 65 million years and um, we're not actually discovering these things that they've been done in some form or another, of course, for, for many, many years. And we wanted to showcase that into our tech schools and really acknowledge it in a more meaningful way than just... Um, a welcome to country or something like that, a place where our all young people can come to the tech school and see old technology um, combined with new technology. So we'll be having a special place in our tech school to, to house those items. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You've got your work mm-hmm. cut out for you, haven't you? There's a lot of hopes and expectations about what this tech school can be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Something for everybody, but, um, yeah, <laughs> keeping us busy. Fantastic. Good fun. Yeah. Um, well, as, as we sort of start to wrap it up, there was just one other idea related, I guess, is that, you know, the whole idea that learning is messy and, you know, I, I, I love this idea of um, inquiry-based learning because it, it feeds into the, the best way that we learn, which is when, you, when you're trying to solve a problem and do something. But I wonder how that works in an organisational way when you've got kids, you know, you've got all your partner schools, the kids coming in for, you know, whatever it is, a couple of days a week to connect and then they take the learning back to school. Like, how do you do that? I guess for us, we're quite fortunate because we don't have a lot of the restrictions that schools typically have. So those timetables, the scheduled lunch sessions, you know, um, the operations of a school. So students will come to us, for example, for a three-day program and, um they're presented with a problem and they work in teams and they it's it's really self-learning. So it's all um, an online uh, program basically they can step through with us as the tech school staff and other mentors as support to help them through it. Um, so some students will, will delve a little bit deeper into some of the resources that are there. Um, some, will, some will get more by um, us prompting them along um, but it is, it is messy in terms of um, getting their hands dirty, I guess, and I think that's really the fun of it. So we want kids to come into the tech school. The first thing that they see when they arrive is an exhibition gallery, and what that does is showcase um, what industry has done in the past um, and what young people have also created as well, and it really inspires them to, to think about um, what is possible. The way that the tech school is set up is we have a range of dirty dirty rooms, if you like, um, where we've got, you know, the PC milling machines and laser cutters and they can really get their hands dirty and doing woodwork and um, 3D printing and that kind of thing. But then we've also got Surface Studio hubs and, and labs where they can um, do CAD design and um, really get into the virtual space as well. Um, so it gives 
kids a real opportunity to to work through a process, use applied learning, um, hands-on learning um, to solve a problem and come up with real examples and prototypes. And so we're all about light, light prototyping. So all the way through our programs, they do a series of prototypings from sketching to storyboarding, cardboard, um, and then moving on to actual prototyping ready for um uh, you know, 3D printing or whatever it might be is their outcome. Mm-hmm. I think as, as Mark Blank said himself, you're, uh, who's overseas both schools, doesn't he, um, said something like, yeah. we have, you know, high-tech, low-tech and everything in between. I thought that was a lovely summary of what, what you're offering the schools in the area. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, for some students, the learning will be just as important in doing a sketch and thinking about um, size and um and materials and learning about you know circuitry and and materials um whereas for others it'll be really getting to that prototype ready for um you know possible pitching and production um in industry so the learning is quite varied i think and it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for young people mm-hmm. well i wish you all the best and um look forward to seeing how the school develops over the next few months and years Thank you, and thank you for the time to chat. Find all the film links and related notes in the description and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.